Hello America. Hello Berlin. Hello China. You've uncovered Induction Burners, Episode 9. Froth Comedy? With Sarah Greenberger Rafferty. So the next two months are super fraught, listeners. Um, you know. Get ready. Yeah, get, get, get ready. Get ready for... <laughs> this is a funny way to start, start the banter section. <laughs> you said you were saving it for this. You said you had a great story to tell me. Oh, no, and I then s- it got really, really real. I said I was saving it for after, after the podcast. Oh, after oh, yeah. the podcast. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, my bad. Like, okay. so, as, so as to avoid, like... A, I see. Well, but then... Did I say I, have a, I had a great story? You did. A radio show that only... Have I, to, have I told you about this already? No. It, it would be like an NPR program that only has the good news. And I was thinking... Maybe you have. <laughs> at least a decade. For a bit. Just, just the good news. But I don't know what it would be called. Like, I think that's what it would have to be called. Just the good news? Yeah. Uh oh, Peter Brock texting me. You better come tonight! Exclamation point. Um, uh oh. Yeah. Threats. I'm on the edge. Well, I'm on the edge. With your existence Peter. is fraught. We've already established that. People, yeah, it's um. <laughs> People expect a lot from you. <laughs> I I constantly disappoint. <laughs> um, That's a recipe for fraught. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm just you know, I'm a bad communicator. One. Yeah. Um, We're, this is our segment where we like unpack like David's anxieties and uh, uh, hangups. Yeah. This is a <laughs> one bad communicator. Very bad at re- texting and bad at uh, texting too. Yeah. Like at emails. You know. Okay. Also communication, but three. The phone. The all right four. Um. Direct messages like on Instagram. Is that even a thing? Yeah. Um, oh, shit. I didn't... Yeah, I've been... Tinder. I didn't know what that was. <laughs> Tinder. Oh, <yeah>. Tinder. <laughs> You're bad at Tinder? How can you be bad at Tinder? I'm not Tinder bad. is an online, like, you can take it or leave it site. It's true. There's you, a... <laughs> just by having Tinder, you're automatically good at Tinder. There was a moment when Tish and I were just talking to each other on Tinder. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, because we'd, like, both uh, swiped and liked each other. And then it became, like, funnier to use that rather than text messaging. That is really funny. Yeah, there was a moment where I was only communicating with my friend Patrick Armstrong, who lives in Berlin. On Tinder? No, via words with friends. Oh, yeah. Because it was cheaper than texting. That's a big one, right? (laughs) That's like, um, isn't that like what Al-Qaeda uses to talk? Is it? I think so, because it's, like, unregulated and, uh... No! Yeah, um, it's... And they, like, want to like make with Zynga the name of the company that we're yeah, is. It is yeah. Zynga. they want like the Supreme Court like wants Zynga to like allow like back channel access into like um to listen to those conversations but get out of here no it's it's true also is Al-Qaeda the way that people from DC pronounce it yeah as opposed to what Al-Qaeda um yeah like it's a bit more vaudeville to go Al-Qaeda. It, it is funnier. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's, <not laughs> it's like, it's like Al-Qaeda, you know? It's like I ate it. Or like... Yeah, or like the, um, the opera Aida. I have a... A note for the podcast to read, actually. Oh, yeah? <laughs> From who? Um, one second. This will be... This will be great. Really solid stuff. From Megan Plunkett. Mm-hmm. Our friend Megan from Kingsborough Press and Bard and other affiliations wrote, 
Hey, Kat. I mentioned this to Aaron Gemmelt, but I wanted to make sure everyone on Team Induction Burners is aware that the very best teen celeb asshole behavior, in my opinion, is when Ariana Grande licked the donut and said, fuck America, she wins. Until Bieber steps it up to this level, I just don't know about him. XX, Megan. <laughs> um, That's funny. If, any, if anyone else has any things, grievances to air. Bieber related grievances. Please send them my way. We love, we love him. This is the best way to do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're like, yeah. and there's a roofie in your glass. Totally, yeah. There's um, It's a kind like of... We offered you seltzer. You pick, We thought you were going to pick wine, so we had to eat the flavorless roofie. Yeah. I feel somewhat clear there's like an element of theft, like for sure, in, involved in the pod- podcasting, I feel like, right? I mean... Theft? Yeah. Like, oh, I was going for the rape vibe, but yeah, theft yeah. is cool. I'm like downgrading it slightly because yeah. I mean, you know, of course I would want to. I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, what I was going to say was the reason I like the interludes is I think the um, the music in general in podcasts and the like theme song and the, the intros and the outros like is very professionalized and like it's very homogenous across the like radio landscape so that I thought it was pretty funny when it was like just a musical interlude in the middle because I felt like it was making fun of that convention yeah that's really helpful because this podcast is actually just about making podcasts (laughs) right so it's the high modernism of podcasts lends itself to the musical drops in the middle of the every single every I feel like every single recording we've done has gone into like at length about like the the medium of podcasts and that's because you're only talking to artists and like basically artists love podcasts. that might be true yeah and we're yeah we're maybe the main constituency for podcasts in our like in our studios do you listen to a lot of like comedy podcasts um i more or less listen to one comedy podcast which one it just ended okay. um it was called the champs Oh, I haven't listened to it for a while. Neil Brennan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neil that's Brennan the only one you listen Kasha. to? Well, that's the main one that I listen to religiously, and then from time to time I'll listen. Just for people, to Neil WGF. Brennan, like, it, he was the co creator of The Chappelle Show, right? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, and, and WTF with Mark Maron. Right? WTF with Mark Maron, I listen to sometimes, though. You have to fast forward through a lot of the Mark Maron. There's a lot of him. Self aggrandizing. Yeah. The uh, early ones were great because he was, like, self deprecating and sort of, like, like basically flagellating yeah I still think he's really good and really talented and you know like the Obama one was super impressive and um I like the Michael Keaton one a lot oh that was really special I think of him as a thing where it's like at a certain point you're just like this is the like maybe the 300th time I've heard a version of this or something you know you've just like listened to so many of them and then it becomes like a less essential thing in a certain way. Yeah, totally. But th- and then I've like dipped in and out of some other ones, but there's nothing that I am like a devotee. You don't to. listen to like the like improv e kind of a uh, podcast stuff. No, because also like we met from doing improv, but I don't know if you remember that yeah. I'm really into no. <laughs> <laughs> right. So improv your, your is Mrs. not. No. <laughs> yeah, improv is not good for me because it's all about yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. And so. Um, so I like improv because it totally challenges my worldview. Mm-hmm. But um, your worldview is no. It's a real no. Cool. Yeah, I'm like a. I mean, I'm old enough to understand that about myself. I guess I would like for it to be yes, and I think there's a lot of generosity in it. But I think that I you're... think in the improv language, in the aesthetics of improv, where you're supposed to just agree to everything and then go further and you're supposed to just um you know go with it uh yeah that's pretty much the opposite of my personality (laughs) but you take your students to improv right i did i brought my students improv it was so fun and that was like difficult for me because i oh sorry where do you teach i teach at hampshire college it's like a hippie school or it's known as a hippie school it's it was immortalized um, by uh, Horatio Sands and um, 
what's the Tonight Show host guy's name? Jimmy Andy, Fallon. Oh, Jimmy Fallon. Jimmy Fallon on Saturday Night Live. Um, Jared's room. It was like, it was a, a bit on Saturday Night Live where um, it w- was this character, Jared, producing a video. It was like a video feed. It was on the internet in the late 90s. Um, and it was from his room in Hampshire. And it was just like, you know, they were wearing like serapes and, and like, <laughs> dread wigs and it was you know about smoking pot or something but anyway yeah it's a there's there's a lot of good things about the school it's Um, a cool school yeah but um are your kids really open and yes well that's the thing that's been very interesting because they are in some ways and they aren't in other ways so i took them to improv because um hollis who teaches improv to artists um is really amazing and special and also um, we were going to be basically on a 14-day trip together and so I wanted to start off with like a team building type exercise um, and that was my best uh, stab at it and and Hollis is really like so amazing that you just you want to say yes so you guys did how many hours or like we did like three hours (gasps) um and it was great it was so great all the students you know some of them knew each other but we all just kind of went with it and we were put at ease and I also related it to the course because we were you know she was talking about how she's worked with a lot of artists and why artists might be interested in improv and also I took them to a bunch of performances because it was in January which is when all the performing arts presenters um, and American Realness and the Under the Radar and there's one other one. But um, no, like you were asking if my students are really open. So they are really open about certain things. Um, As you may have heard, um, you know, ideas about gender are really shifting from, I mean, I'm a little bit older than you guys, but from when I grew up to now and so the students are very open with the idea of uh, gender fluidity and gender nonconformity and um, gender spectrum they're they're very open to um, ideas about uh, you know the primacy of narrative and truth and this kind of thing all the things that you would expect from good liberal college students Mm -hmm. Um, but then when you get them in an art class it's hilarious because a lot of them majority of them especially when they're young and just 18 and just starting college like you will absolutely be railed if you say like if I say like yeah I I use she her pronouns and I'm married to a man and I call him my husband like there's a little bit of a because you know that's very conventional and heteronormative and not what you would expect right Um, but then when I'm like show them a piece of commercially printed fabric stretched around stretcher bars like for example like a polka work or something they're like that's not a painting that took quote no skill that is not a painting oh really yeah I want to learn the rules and you're like okay can you explain to me why you can so clearly look at me and if I told you that I'm a man and to call me he, you would be like, cool, I yeah. get it. I'm totally on board with that. But if I show you that this thing that's been around since, let's say people have been doing it since the 60s um, or before, and I tell you that it's a painting and you're like, that's not a painting. There's not a speck of paint on that thing. Do you think it's like about like a kind of, or I mean, this like professionalization in a certain sense or something? Like that they're like already kind of like want to know how to master something and then like find the thing that's like able to be mastered? Well, I was gonna actually wonder if like in the opposite respect, the fact that like we've so, uh, Destroyed that, that kind of idea? Well, no, that we've, we've, we've taken all arts education out of our like secondary our primary and secondary education it's true that like people come into like a class like that and like are fully steeped in cultural developments but have no real context of like postmodern art history yeah i mean there's a few things i think 
I think um, one, it's possible that that they don't really fully. I mean, because just as it is difficult for, um, let's say, it's possible that they that they think they're more open than they are, because you know they think that they're right because they're kids and that's totally how they should be it would be insane if they weren't yeah um but it's also the thing about art education and the way that i usually describe it is i really try and draw a distinction between like art the hobby and art the field because after all we're in college and then it bums a lot of kids out because it's not fun you know like like I think it's fun because your brain hurts and because you're challenging yourself and because you're engaged in the world of ideas yeah. and um, and all of the things that we love about being artists and and in the art world, you know. Um, and but they really want like art the activity, and art the activity sometimes happens in art the field, but it's not like the same for me. It's not the same. So I try and explain like. You know, people who make gin in their bathtub are totally chemists, but they're not in the they're not in the sort of academic field of chemistry. Yeah, that's a great analogy. And they don't they still don't really understand it. But that's that's been my wait. There they don't pick up on the bathtub gin and be like, oh yes. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't know. That- I feel like they still just want to like just want to learn how to paint well in a way that everyone knows what I mean when I'm saying that yeah which is interesting yeah yeah like who but who do they like where does that idea of painting well even come from for them like that this the idea that I mean it's that's the thing that's so mysterious there's the idea that like you can do something right or wrong yeah that you can do something well or badly that you can be good at something that you can you know and for me it's about being good at being a critical thinker yeah and of course you know i went to art school i'm totally into making objects i'm that's i'm and i you know that's like the way you participate in the field yeah but there's something so satisfying about like a quantifiable skill where you're like yes i can reproduce this accurately right and that but but that's not i mean that's useless to teach people as we know in the in the current situation because you need to be super agile you need to be a critical thinker i mean that's why i say like what's changed from and it's not lost on me that this isn't really about comedy, so but, we can change the subject at any time. But, no, but yeah. um, what's really changed is like you know when I was going to art school, that was like, that was dumb. It was garbage. It was useless. You couldn't you know everyone would make fun of you. Your parents would, you know, cry to their friends, and you you had to really like m- make a case, prove your facility, or it's either or you were just you know there were people out there that were worried about your livelihood. Yeah. Um, and literally all the sort of, you know, late, 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 late capitalist fields need exactly the things that we learn in art school. First of all, the kids that I teach, they're like horrified at the idea of having a five-hour class with a 30-minute break, huh. which is like nothing, you know? Like... <laughs> they can't believe it and you know artists work hard they work all hours they they it's give true. all their time over to to, to their pursuit like. yeah to thinking about it they, they're on the clock at all times they like sacrifice all this thing they they learn whatever they need to do to get the job done like, right they're like I mean, ideal freelancers it's the ideal i mean yeah it's it's the total ideal like worker bee in yeah. this society so now like getting an art degree is actually like pretty smart because there's been the shift from getting a well-rounded good liberal education to like how much money can you make on average out of school and of course like as an artist you're not going to make that much money necessarily if you're just thinking clearly about like putting your objects in commercial galleries and selling them that's yeah. you know obviously just 
a pipe dream and it's beyond the one percent of the one percent that gets by that way but i bet you on average when they start doing those number crunchings people who went to art school make more money than people who uh study social work or even like like literature you know literature but i don't even believe in those values yeah personally i think people you know because art students can parlay the skills of like just being able to adapt and to think critically and to like think creatively well that's the bill of goods that's being passed around what do you mean when you say you don't believe in those values i mean i believe that being educated makes you a I want people to be good citizens and good humans and good people that yeah. will inhabit Earth, you know, with me and Do well. with fellow humans and animals and lands. Um, right. So, yeah, I don't think that learning, you know, to uh, to tie it into comedy, you yeah. know, there's the Bill Hicks joke where he would be reading in a cafe when he's on tour and he was like, people would ask me, what are you reading for? Not what are you reading, but what are you reading for? Right. And he would say something like snotty, like, I'm reading so that I don't end up being a waiter in a fucking cafe in Tulsa, Oklahoma, you know, or something to that effect. But basically, you know, the point that the, the idea that you do that you do a to get to B to, to instrumentalize yourself for B. I'm I'm interested in. You yeah, know. Oh, I hadn't heard. I hadn't heard that bit. That's a terrible thing to say to someone. Well, it's a very Bill Hicks type I, joke. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, mean, and honestly, I doubt he ever said it to someone. It's a joke. And right. It, you know, Fair it's point. It's a fiction of the joke. But it's also like an idea, like it, it, it feels very 80s, like question. Totally. Kind of. But also like to be devil's advocate about the terribleness, like to ask someone what they're reading for is a ter like... Yeah. To me, I, I I totally sympathize with the, again, in my the question um, is insane. In my um, worldview of no, I totally understand the urge to eviscerate someone who would think that it was okay to ask you why you were reading. Like, why aren't you reading? Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I just was having a conversation with someone the other day about the fact that like my partner. When I'm like in bed, like reading, <laughs> and say, like, what are you doing? <laughs> Which is like kind of the same thing. Yeah, like, what on earth are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I I have this paperback and I'm uh, yeah I'm browsing. Yeah. I'm staring, not absorbing. Yeah. It sounds much more endearing when you describe it as a sort of nighttime ritual. Yeah. Than like someone on the subway. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, it's also a joke on the idea of, like, what are you reading? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what are you reading for? Yeah. Like, for what reason? Yeah. It's also a really hard question to answer. Like, what what are you reading for? Like, you kind of started to answer it, but, like... Uh, you're, you're reading to read this thing and, and know it and think about it, right? Right, but if you're a waitress in Tulsa, how you maybe don't have a lot of call to read. I don't think that's definitely true. I mean, to in, like in the <laughs> capitalist sense of... Right, but let's say that's yeah, why yeah. I said I don't believe in that worldview. I don't think everything has to be an input to an output. I think, you know, there are some things you do for no productive reason. Yeah, or like its output might be like, who knows what, like something... That you're a good person. Yeah. That you have a better grasp on... So that's like the potentially that waitress has a different worldview. Like that waitress is like, I do everything to have a to have an immediate result. Yeah, exactly. But the corollary is that like it's also a ridiculous question to be like, why aren't you reading? So like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, but that's a hilarious like, why aren't you reading? It's also a two hundred dick question. <laughs> it's a it's watch yeah it's totally a dick question. Yeah. I would never ask anyone why aren't you reading. Yeah, exactly. Except I would. For, it I do hilarious. ask my brother that he um. He has a degree in English, in reading, in reading kind of in okay. English, and he like doesn't really read. What does he books. do? Um, he runs a bike share oh, cool. company. Um, yeah, that's it. but that seems like the kind of like, you know, instrumentalization of some kind of like knowledge, yeah. right? In a certain sense. Yeah, I guess I just think it's funny, like yeah. 
I mean, again, that's why the degree doesn't, it's not, totally. it's meaningless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, but so let's get back to improv, I guess. Yeah, maybe. totally. Like, uh, so you did it, like, we did it once. Yeah. Did you do it again after that? I did it with my students, and that was it. And, and that's it. And my, my um, goddaughter has started to do improv in her class. Really? Yeah, and her parents have tried to get her not to go to school on some Mondays because they work in the gallery hours, and uh-huh. and she refuses because it's improv day. Oh, my God. But she pronounces it improv with a B, like improbable. How old is she? Four and a half. Whoa. And... <laughs> what kind of improv? I mean, that's interesting. Well, the other day she was telling me about what she did, and now I forgot. But, um, yeah, they just tell them that they have to say yes mm-hmm. and just to go with it and but isn't that what they have kids scenarios. do i mean yeah no it's funny that is maybe what kids do but actually i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> i just like, I, my only experience is having been a child but that was a long time ago right it's hazy yeah <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i had it all figured out and i knew it was very systematic <laughs> right i guess there is like just from really sketchy recollection and observation, like there is a lot of no in childhood play because mm-hmm. like someone is always this toy is mine or like someone yeah. is driving it like no 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 like you're the maid I'm the princess right you're the mom he's the dad yeah I'm the baby yeah we're all on this bed yeah <laughs> and then it never really goes anywhere which is maybe why because yeah yeah well yeah like teaching four-year-olds to say yes and seems yeah. like a really great yeah, project cool. so but but I think about improv a lot and I think about I guess doing it that first time when we um that was I think it was uh, Memorial Day like three years ago yeah two years ago yeah um and yeah it made me really have to admit that I'm a no type of person it was kind of intense like as a oh thing. yeah like a little bit yeah yeah because it was like an intense it was like it was intensive. Days after, it was all day, two days in a row, I guess, or three days. Yeah, like, um, but yeah, no, it did, like, it, you couldn't, you really saw yourself doing things in this, like, performative way that, like, then you, you know, you're like, oh, that's kind of how, I guess I do, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I remember, <laughs> I was remembering when Daniel Boschkoff was doing, right. Hollis reminded me of this, and I had totally forgotten. Who we tried to get on the podcast, but he was, like, un- unrengulable. Um, he... <laughs> In yeah. yeah, yeah, he's earned that on Wrangler. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, totally. And you know, he's we're all a, living in his world, a national treasure. But she was reminding me how when we did the pattern thing, which yeah. is where you'd be like, um, like green leaf or like gr- uh, green stalk, or you just do like a pattern, yeah, and and people would be like, um, dog fur, cat hair, like turtle shell and he was like garden rocket ship or something like totally yeah. like, didn't just... make any sense in the pattern and then <laughs> and then he had this like really elaborate like explanation oh yeah it's was. amazing yeah. it makes total sense to him but that was so helpful to even understanding daniel he was like things that are outside I, or something I think yeah it was like yeah i yeah he's such a special human and so smart yeah, but it, like, reveals this kind of thinking. Yeah, where right. you're just like, oh, that's a different way of thinking. It could also be a language thing, um, the way that he, you know, thinks about, I think, the rest of us. No, actually, there were, there was someone else who English wasn't their first language. Yeah, I think that's it's, right. Yeah, it's just, a, it, like, it reminds me of that Louis C.K. bit, <laughs> like, where his daughter is telling him a joke, and it's like... Why wasn't the gorilla allowed into the ballet class or into the ballet performance? And he's like, I don't know. Like, I've never heard this joke before. I don't know where this is going. Like, <laughs> this like is a totally new like way of constructing jokes. And she's like, because I didn't think it was a good idea. He's a gorilla. It's he's too big. <laughs> yeah. Not to like re-say a Louis C.K. joke worse than he delivered it but like like, there's something about like just disrupting the channels of and like not knowing yeah yeah wait but so did you like 
how would you say the like no functions and I mean not like in your that's like too direct a term but yeah. like when you're saying like oh you see Daniel's brain like in this yeah. kind of like language thing like and then you also realize that you were like oh I'm kind of a no person like so what does that mean exactly if like um I mean I think there's there's some things that are good about it um it's probably self-protective in a lot of ways and um it's but I think mostly it's doesn't reflect very well on me um I think you know it it just shows the way that I foreclose possibilities because of preconceived notions um or rather I'm not really interested in um engaging my imagination like I don't really respond to that um but that being said I'm I'm interested in absurdity yeah um but absurdity within the rules of the world as I understand them I guess like you're you're in like facts I'm really (laughs) I mean I'm I am into facts maybe that's what it is but who's you know facts aren't facts I know that intellectually totally yeah I mean they're absurd yeah but um but yet you're introducing your students to different ways of thinking and expanding their I try not to foist my own prejudice prejudices onto my students even though I don't always do the best job but um yeah I mean I'm sure that they can tell what I think more than I think that I want them to, um, but I think that's one of the reasons to teach, at least for me, to sort of like have to deal with people who are really different than you. Could a student make a piece that you would say no to, or that you would say like, you know, this is actually not acceptable, or like this is offensive, or this is? Uh, actually, something like that happened this week in my class. I'm teaching a class called um, Comedy as Artistic Strategy, and it's the second time I've taught the class, but the first time was six years ago. And um, a lot has changed in six years, which is what I'm realizing. Um, I mean, I thought six years ago it was already a kind of a vibe of like the customer service of students where they're kind of always right. Um, but I think it's even more today. And also there's a tension that's pretty terrifying for me um, about the sort of return of PC um, is how I might call it since I lived through the earlier part, the earlier PC like moment. Yeah. Um, Pam was sort of saying this too. Like, yeah. yeah, it's kind of terrifying because it's like trigger warning and... I remember you talking about this around... Yeah, this. all yeah. this stuff. It's obviously, you know, trauma is trauma and it's really helpful for people who are deeply wounded. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like this whole world is a walking trauma, I think, a trigger warning. I think the whole world is a trigger warning. Yeah. Um, if your eyes are open to it. Well, and like good education can be really traumatic. Like, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it can be violent. It really like wrestles your, you know, um, and that's not to say that that's the same as, you know, an actual sexual assault or anything like that. Totally. But there's, I don't know, there's a spectrum. And so it feels really terrifying to me now to even show a joke you know um showing Richard Pryor in class and I'm a little bit sitting there with like my teeth gritted because it's amazing yeah but someone could like it's intense it's really intense and and every other word is the n-word in the bit that I showed or um I showed a bit about um Wanda Sykes from Wanda Sykes saying, you know, everything would be better if women could just detach their pussies before they went out. And I was like, great, I'm going to get fucking fired for saying the word, for like playing the word pussy. In college, which is so insane. Like, yeah. Because yeah. college should be the place where you have like teachers who are real and who like treat you yeah. not as equals, but as 
as people who who are, are adults. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't stop me from doing it, but I was like, oh my god, I what if I get some sort of like microaggression like letter that like yeah. I yeah. permitted the word pussy to be said out loud, you know, in and I was speaking about a woman with a pussy and not, you know, gender identify, you know, peop, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, whatever and i'm totally sympathetic to gender spectrum and to um to sort of the idea that not only women have um you know one kind of anatomy etc like i i understand that but it's the kind of thing where you're like oh and obviously so far nothing's happened (laughs) but um you were asking do i ever say no to a student well a student kind of came in with a project that was like so clearly like a fuck you this past week and I just like I don't get it and I couldn't really stop myself once I was saying it because I was like am I taking this too personally in my mind but it was a fuck you to you or another person I think it was to the class yeah yeah to like the idea of the assignment yeah um yeah, and so I definitely somewhat called it out. But for me, that's like you didn't really try very hard to make a work. It's It would never really be like this is bad because what's really productive about being this is bad, you know? And also, I don't teach in an art school. I don't teach in a grad program. I teach in a liberal arts school. And ultimately, I want the people that aren't artists to walk out of that class or those classes into the world whatever the hell they do a waitress in Tulsa or um, you know a rocket scientist or a doctor or whatever um, I want them to know what an art what a living artist is and what we do and like I think that the world is better if they're if they're aware of what an artist does someone who's very involved in comedy as like a there's no way to not to say it and not have it sound pretentious but com- like the study of comedy mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we were kind of thinking about how it's a it is the only real uh, communication or art form where you can air unpolitically correct things and sort of have a safe space to do so like where you can say things that are incredibly obviously inflammatory and any kind of ist that you could insert and people will understand that it's a joke and will sort of like give you that give you the shadow of a doubt one would hope. Right, unless... Who was the, like, um, uh, Kramer on Seinfeld? Oh, uh, Michael Richards. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But he he wasn't telling a racist joke. He was actually just being racist. Right. He was, like, addressing the crowd. Yeah. But he said later that he thought it was, like, funny. Like, that he thought that it was... I mean... I mean, that's also the, the terror of um, of the fact that, like, everything can circulate in in a hot second I mean I'm not defending him I've seen the footage and it's like pretty yeah depressing um and uh yeah I think people should be accountable for things they say and think and you know say out out loud but should people be you know there's just so much gotcha-ness in the whole situation and things are often taken out of context but yeah I really wish that um, it was more safe to be uh, 
I don't know, to be, well, that's the thing. I don't, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that I wish that it were safe, that it were safe to be, you know, offensive. But I think we talked about this when we did the bomb interview, like, I, yeah, I want, I'm happy that people are able to be offensive rather than being totally gagged. But I think there's a kind of a, on the middle sections between like super inflammatory and like I'm figuring out the world, there's like, a, it's in, there's encroaching on ideas of what you can and can't say. Like for me, the biggest thing is like joking in the workplace. Cause I think that's how you are very, you become very human and you bond, you know, form relationships. And of course I'm not necessarily talking about something that's, um, you know, hostile and, um, a microaggression or an open aggression. But I think that, um, it's a fine line between people being like, like, you know, just being afraid to, to make a joke. Yeah. Well, it seems like comedy in that sense is also like as a pedagogical tool, like for kids that are so PC and are so sort of, you know, trigger trigger happy. I don't know if that's the <laughs> yeah. They're right. trigger warning happy. Yeah, trigger warning happy. Um, like that would be a place to introduce them to, like, hey, there are people that like are you know. Sp- speaking truth or are calling out some things that are that are real problems that are by being almost the devil's advocate but right. in like a comedy context like that's a, maybe a good place well, to or like I totally think Steinfeld is hilarious and I think that that kind of observational humor is really funny but I mean it's definitely not making the needle go you know Far. And Seinfeld himself is like, I'm not performing on campuses anymore. It's too dangerous. Really? Uh-huh. Why? Because of the climate for right. making quote-unquote off-color jokes or jokes that deal with identity. Whoa. Seinfeld? Mm-hmm. But that's because like of the... It goes back to the camera thing, most in part, right? Maybe, like, yeah. Because it's like something you like something can be taken out of context and like, in, yeah, uh, seen a million times. Like that's totally possible. I mean, and it could just be like a shrewd business decision. But I'd like to think it's sort of like, call me when you get a sense of humor. Yeah, I mean, that, that totally makes sense. Um, or don't uh, like, cause I'm filthy rich and I'm chilling. <laughs> Like, yeah. Yeah, but Jessica. I think it's. I don't know. I'd like to think like. Wait, who's Jessica? Jessica, Jessica. Seinfeld. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought with our friend Jessica. Yeah, we're trying to get Jessica, our friend and Seinfeld on the podcast well, together. Yeah. Yeah. But he's afraid, obviously. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to excerpt things. Yeah, you're yeah. gonna totally gotcha him. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I don't know. I feel. I feel um, like I'm terrified of the kinds of things that um, Donald Trump is saying, and I think he's like a hateful, fucking idiot, terrifying human. But I am impressed that that you're able to say that and like you don't get just like shot. Um sort of true but it's it's horrifying um but in my class we did talk about the joe scanlon um the danelle wolford yeah that's such a complicated situation situation. it's very complicated can you like for our listeners just describe (laughs) it briefly um well i'm not really an expert but um yeah you are uh (laughs) joe scanlon created an alter ego in collaboration with a few different younger artists um, called Danelle Wolford, who was meant to be a sort of millennial um, black female artist. And the way that I understand it is he started making abstractions in the studio and he was like, these would be more interesting 
if this character made them. Right, but we're, and the artists were like kind of instrumentalized as like actresses, sort of, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, in the piece. Like they weren't and like collaborating as equal participants. Yes, and the and, name was appropriated from a football player. Also, Danelle Stanford. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the and he moved on from making the abstractions to making like faux Richard Prince paintings, and then he thought about Richard Pryor, which to me I was like, okay, Glenn Ligon already totally did that. Yeah. And made the cultural commentary, and like that's the thing that I love the fact about art, you know that. You can have Richard Prince doing the jokes, and then, and then, Glenn Ligon does the Richard Prince jokes, in this in the sort of same taking from the same playbook, but uh, conceptual, you know, formal playbook, and then yeah. making totally original, amazing work in that way. Um, that was like, you know, for me, I love the Richard Prince joke paintings, but the Ligon kind of blows it out of the water in terms of like. Um, being emotional and having criticality and 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 representing you know an actual body that actually you know uses humor to save his own life yeah (laughs) basically not just like a you know psychiatrist joke which I mean that's an amazing tradition also but I thought that was sort of like a dialogue that was happening through the work being exhibited so I didn't personally really understand why Danelle Wolford would make Richard Pryor, Richard Prince type jokes because I was thinking like, well, Glenn Ligon already did that. Um, But then he did a performance of, he worked with an actress to do a performance as Danelle Wolford, as Richard Pryor um, on the last day of his uh, ill-fated NBC sitcom. This, and she she performed verbatim the um the sort of stand-up routine um and joe scanlon played sort of the other characters um at any rate you know the The first thing thing that my student asked was like well what about that actress what's her involvement um that was the first thing that someone said um but there was a huge controversy um because of the cultural appropriation and the the um, the fact that it's offensive, and for me, it's more offensive that it's like potentially not um, like super poignant work than for the reasons that it's offense, you know that it is offensive and I totally understand the reasons why it's offensive to um, a lot of people of color and and um, women of color and also just humans because we're offended when our brothers and sisters are offended but um, I'm totally happy for him to do his work and then let it be what it is right. you know yeah it's so interesting like I feel like hearing you recap that piece which I've thought about so often like the most interesting part about that work right is that he actually is appropriating the identity of a black man and using the surrogate identity of a black woman which is really fucked up and like using the term that we've decided is the theme of this episode fraught Mm um but then you have to like as I feel like the stakes are, if you're going to take on that level of discourse, the stakes are really high and you have to kind of deliver. And as you said, the project didn't end up being... Well, well, it's also like lame to be someone who's imbued with um, both like innate cultural power and also be sort of at the top of your game as an artist who's the chair of a major department at a major college um, and to be already a white man, white straight man that is... Like David. 
Mm-hmm. Sorry, at bro. At the top of yeah, this yeah. game. I'm aware. It really sucks but to it, be you. But it's lame to then also be like, I'll, I'll take your identity too. No, but that's what like, I mean. Yeah, and co-sign that. No, that's why, that's, yeah. why, that's why, I mean, that's why I, for me, that the work is problematic because it's the overdog, you know, taking on the underdog. And yeah. I think that's really, like, that fucks with my sense of ethics. Um and that's what is so inflammatory for me. Yeah. But I do also believe that the collaborators have agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also, I mean, I've actually vacillated because I definitely saw that protesting that piece brought a dialogue that wasn't happening without the protest. And so I was actually interested in that. And I'm more disappointed in our community for not, you know, I think there was a lot of whispering going on, like, oh, that's really fucked up. Didn't Glenn Ligon do work like that? Or is that, that weird? A, was Did that all, like, come to a front in the biennial that you were in? Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. And, and I in think... In 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so I think there was a lot of... I, I actually became um, a believer. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you wrote that article about I became a, a Justin believer about the the need to like boycott boycott that kind of work because at first I was like, well, work is work. Let people have their own response to it. But um, I think it's more a way that we let ourselves down by not as a community by not just taking up that critique before people needed to do a kind of action. Yeah. Um, so. That was, I was disappointed in myself um, and in the community because I think it's like we're the, so like on board with things being offensive, which right. we are. Like we're all so cool with being offended, supposedly, that when there's actually something that's like, um, that's just the wrong, just wrong ethically, I feel like. This is a statement from our professor at that time who said something to the equivalent of like, when you're making work, you do need to think about the ethics of what you're making, but that should be sidelined to the greater question of, is this like a good work? Is this interesting? Is this productive? Is this adding to the conversation? This this was not artwork. Like, yeah. <laughs> Because I mean that's always the thing, right? It's like it's it's deciding what the frame of the conversation should be, not like what should be permissible or impermissible in a sense. Like, and that frame should involve some offense, or you know, the possibility for like all kinds of things. But right. But it does have to be productive. Like, if I were just like arbitrarily to spit on you right now, like, and call it an artwork, I feel like the question would need to be asked. Like, yeah, is that even interesting? Like. What's the purpose? Yeah, I'd like to see that. <laughs> yeah. May have some fans. <laughs> yeah. The short-lived induction burners <laughs> ended one fateful afternoon with an artwork. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I want to put my name in the not with books. a bang, but with a loogie. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I don't know. That would be very Lenny Bruce of you. Um, I go back and forth because. It makes me mad that, you know, there's there's uh, so many male artists, so many white artists that are that are, quote, you know, successful, shown more, make more money. But at the same time, I'm totally not interested in ideas of quotas or, um, you know, but I think the, the big question is we're reframing our brains to understand why all of us every single person in the society prefers things that are male and that are white um and that are young or something like that like that's just the framework that this this society the lens with with which we look through so it's not a surprise that that happens but it's definitely not the kind of thing that you can just you know prescribe or legislate to go away it's like a it's a glacial shift that needs to happen um and art is often like at the 
not to like state a cliche, but at the forefront of like change or of like anticipating social change and making things that seem like really out of bounds and yet but it's also very regressive in a lot of ways i mean i feel like the art world feels like very i don't know yeah right i mean compared to other kinds of communities it's like there's pros and there's cons well there's so many art worlds but i think the one that you mean when you say like the art world the the sort of global um the one that that if you looked at certain metrics like who gets shows and prices and and um popularity mm-hmm. and yeah the idea of like quote unquote quality yeah um and then there's there's a but it's you know it's amazing to see other types of practices be championed but it's like a very small community that's into um, yeah, you know, Cameron Roland might be on the cover of Art Forum this month, but it's it's mm-hmm. not it's not like you know it's not the the way that people still is in, in the wider culture. Like yeah, Van Gogh, you know, totally, and that trickles down to like also the the quote unquote real art world too, because it's sort of like laughing all the way to the bank style. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean by that? I mean, like, the people that are actually, like, oh, the, it does, unquote, it doesn't like, aff- winners. Like, yeah. They're just, they're, like, whatever. Very insulated. Everything's right. fine. Yeah, totally. Everything's fine with me and my studio assistants and my, li- my like, bougie lifestyle. Right, exactly. It's, like, um, yeah. I was going to say it's, like, how Ivanka Trump is, like, really into 24-7 or things. Like, but maybe you don't, we don't even want to put that in the podcast. <laughs> Like the uh, book? No, the gallery. Like, um, she's like, Ivanka Trump is really into twenty four seven. Yeah, that she like wrote this like blog post that was like, yeah, I love you know if you're into collecting young artworks, like check out like twenty four seven. Has she ever bought anything from them? I that's a good question. It could have been an intern that wrote that. It's quite possible, but like it's out. You know, it's just like a funny like. uh, Oh, I can't wait for the spin on that where it's like twenty four sixty seven is supporting Donald Trump. Like yeah, and and of course that's not like it's like not obviously not true in that sense, but it is like those are real connections that like are true at all galleries like and that often are not as publicized. You know. Well, Uh, and it is true that they're doing a bang up job. Twenty four seven. Sure. (laughs) I believe you. I think um, you have credentials to say that. But I think that... Um, oh, wait. Ivanka's the younger one. Yeah. Cool. That's not really Ivana. cool. Not Ivana. It's not that cool. She's... It's not cool. Kind of <laughs> fucked up. Her, well, I mean, yeah. sure, but... I mean, she's not that cool. But she... But sure. But the thing is, that's one of the things that's amazing about... Like, let, okay... There's a lot of bad things to say about the art world, the gallery system, all that. Yeah, yeah. It's all bullshit. It's fucked up and bullshit. Like capitalist pigs, etc. Yeah, yeah. Timestamp of 2016. It's all bullshit. Yeah. It's fucked up and bullshit. I don't know words. <laughs> Hashtag at a point. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the thing that is cool about the art world is the galleries are free. They actually are, even if they are the architecture of intimidation and exclusivity which is problematic and it's like a total socialist situation like you know we show at our galleries because another artist sells a shitload of work and we can have a show that doesn't sell anything and our galleries you know it's true no one like if someone tried to tell a gallerist like well what merchandise that you have here actually is are your best sellers <laughs> just keep that in the gallery and all this stuff that hasn't sold in four years see ya like yeah. that's a bad business decision it's actually quite amazing that that's a quote-unquote billion dollar business that it's fucking hard but like it is a socialist system i mean not that we get the wealth that the rich artists get when they sell yeah. their work but like we have the gallery paying to mount an exhibition. Yeah, you're supported. It's that's pretty amazing. Um, I want to throw out a suggested recasting of this episode as <laughs> um, ethics and uh, the art world. The ethics of comedy. 
Yeah. Well, we could talk about the ethics of comedy because said, that's fine to, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like I haven't delivered on my promised, um, to what, to, to talk about comedy. Oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, it's perfect. I just, you know, what did you imagine that we would talk about? Um, I don't know. I was trying to think like, oh, I'm so bad at remembering jokes and cause it's like, well, it's a stated like topic of some of your work, right? Like. I'd say it's like, um, quote, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it is totally. Um, and it's the way that I try and live, which is, um, I think it's relates to ethics in a way. Like it's, um, being real, being myself, being the scale of myself and, uh, and being not telling people you're an octopus and like, yeah. Or like, you know, I would, I would give anything to be like six feet tall or like between five nine and five eleven. Hey, that's what I am. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> no. Um, no, I mean like my you know, but I'm not. I'm I'm who I am. Yeah. So, um and probably like I would you know, you would give anything to I wouldn't, but like, you know, to be born a guy. That would be cool. Like, life would be easier. <laughs> um, but, like, I'm not. And um, so that it's that's the realism that I'm talking about. And that's something that actual stand-up comics rely on because it's really about them being in their body and responding to the world via that body. And I think that that's a way that I like to think about making art. Um, and also to be accessible while also being, um, I almost just said righteous, but that's like, has such a bad connotation because it seems like it goes with self. Ani DeFranco's Righteous Babe Records. Oh, that's not a reference for me. Yeah. But I guess it is. But yeah. But no. That's like a negative area. Yeah. But it doesn't have a negative. I guess. But like. Because it comes with self-righteous. But I mean righteous. Like be, be be right be like righteous like righteous. strive in some yeah. way for some yeah way, like, or some and way. and tell the truth and um you know like donald trump tell it like it is absolutely just call it how you see america it america can be better yeah yeah <laughs> um is that his his line no it's make really america, america great. better yeah great. Oh. make no. america great again i yeah. think america can be better is a great america could be better that should be bernie's that's yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah it's really hillary's because it's not even that up yeah um, but yeah, and now for some ethnic humor, um, <laughs> yesterday or two days ago, I was talking to a dean at my school and we were talking about a student and, um, in the middle of the conversation, she said, we don't need to argue about it. And I was like, we're not arguing. We're just talking. Um, and I told this. To my dad this morning and he said um well you know jewish people argue about everything not just jewish people but especially jewish people and i was like okay cool i guess i talk argumentative <laughs> but yeah i don't that's that was a that was a riff on the the burnification of make a great america greater make i mean america, america could be greater i'm just like i'm imagining him with like larry sanders like arms going up and down could like, be okay. better yeah could be better <laughs> um yeah i don't know go hillary oh yeah yeah it's a hot it's a hot, it's a topic. hot topic it's a hot it's a hot, it's a hot topic. topic i'm comfortable giving my uh i'm comfortable giving my endorsement to whoever gets the democratic nomination. yeah definitely yeah yeah um even though you know they're they're all each and every one of them every single one of them corporate shells <laughs> 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 and true. hypocrites it's true and um do you think bernie is yes yeah i think they all are yeah and i think it's impossible to be president and not be and not yeah be i mean the second you're president you're the president it's true look at barack obama the country has a lot of corporations in it like and also you're just you're the man yeah like and you you can no longer assault the man when you're the man 
Oh wait, just true. to take a moment though, the second that the podcast goes into a political realm, it gets totally unlistenable <laughs> in in uh, post production. <laughs> Oh, for my future? Um, Your immediate Thank <laughs> you. 